Confucius, the great philosopher, was hiking with his disciples to visit a majestic waterfall. Even before they arrived at the waterfall, they could sense the power of it from a distance. First the rumbling sound and then a breathtaking sight of a tall and wide waterfall. It may be comparable to Niagara Falls. They could see the mist from the fall reaching miles away. As they approached the fall, they discovered the powerful current under the fall would not allow even fish or turtles to survive. But suddenly, they saw a man dive into the water. Confucius thought he might have fallen accidentally into the water. So he asked his students to try to save him. The man disappeared under the water and reappeared about a hundred feet away. He jumped back on the shore and sang aloud with joy as if he just had a great exercise. As he walked by, Confucius stopped him, saying, Gentlemen, I thought you were a ghost because I didn't think a man could swim under this waterfall. How did you do that? The man answered, Oh, it was a piece of cake for me because I followed the current. As I jumped into the water, I sensed the spinning torrent pulling me down to the bottom of the river. I didn't resist it. Instead, I went with the current, knowing it would turn the other way around when it reached the riverbed, pushing me back to the surface. With amazement, Confucius asked, How do you know the nature of the current? Can you teach us? The man said, I grew up near here and I've been playing and swimming under here since I was young. Gradually, I discovered that by resisting the current, I would run out of breath or strength to swim. It naturally takes me to the other side when I don't manipulate the current. I can't tell you more than that because I learned it by experience. End of the story. There is an allegory by Zhuangzi depicting the core Taoist philosophy of do nothing, Wu Wei. It's counterintuitive to our overworked society. We believe we must strive and scrape to achieve success. So the concept of do nothing is often misunderstood, ridiculed, and ignored by most people. According to the story, Doing nothing doesn't mean doing nothing at all, but it means not manipulating or disobeying the Tao, represented by the current. What is the Tao? As I mentioned last week, the Tao in Chinese means the word or the logos in Greek. So the Chinese translation of John's Gospel says, In the beginning was the Tao, and the Tao was with God, and the Tao was God. John chapter 1, verse 1. In verse 14, John said that Jesus is the Tao became flesh, or Jesus embodies the Tao. In the story above, the current symbolizes the Tao, the Word, or God. In the Bible, we notice that Jesus doesn't go against the current, but goes along with it and accomplishes mission on earth to save humanity from sin. Please note that by current, I'm not talking about the popular trends of society, but God's current or God's word. It's like surfing the wave, not the wave of the world, but of God. Jesus frequently mentioned that everything he says or does is guided by God. 
The only time he wanted to go against God's current was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, asking God with tears to let him pass the bitter cup, meaning he would rather not go to the cross if it was God's will. But we know he went to the cross with obedience to God's will. Today we will learn from Jesus how to obey the current of God and swim to the other side, accomplishing our mission on earth and having a great deal of fun doing it. Let's begin. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. The scripture lesson for today is from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Matthew twenty-two fifteen to 22 Blessed are those who delight in God's word. Thanks be to God. This passage is the first of the three debates between the religious leaders and Jesus at the temple. Jesus was at the temple in Jerusalem for the last time before he was crucified. All these things took place during the Holy Week. So by the end of the week, he was crucified. Previously, Jesus told them three parables, convicting them of spiritual bankruptcy, hypocrisy, and fruitlessness. Now they came in three groups with three trick questions to debate, trap, frame, and indict Jesus. This passage covered the first debate. The passage begins like this. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth, and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Verses 15 to 16. The Pharisees were the religious leaders and the Herodians were the politicians. They usually didn't get along because the Herodians supported the Roman government, while the Pharisees reject the occupiers. Still, they banded together to trap Jesus with questions that could make him an enemy of either party. They began by patronizing Jesus, saying that Jesus is sincere and teaches the way of God with truth, and that he is fair to everyone. Jesus never falls for it. Whenever someone says he is a good teacher, 
he expects them to accept his teaching instead of just kissing up on him. One of his definitive teaching is that he is God or the Tao in flesh, God in human form. Even in today's society, many people say Jesus is a good teacher, but they don't believe that he is God. That is an oxymoron. C.S. Lewis made this argument. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of thing Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. God has landed on this enemy-occupied world in human form." End quote C.S. Lewis. In other words, you cannot treat Jesus as a great sage and not believe what he said. Since he said he is God, which is a serious claim, he is either God, a lunatic, or liar. So those Pharisees were hypocrites because they said Jesus was a teacher of truth, but they didn't believe the truth he taught that he is God. They pretended to be gentlemen, but had a terrorist state of mind. They flattered Jesus to disarm him, to speak his mind, to fall into their trap. Now they launched their leader question. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Verse 17. It's a gotcha question. If Jesus said paying taxes to the Roman emperor is unlawful, the Herodians were there to arrest him for sedition. If Jesus says it is lawful to pay taxes, then the Pharisees would discredit him as a legitimate Jewish rabbi, far from a prophet or the Son of God. They trap Jesus in a no-win situation. By lawful, they mean according to the Levitical law or Mosaic law. Paying taxes to the Roman emperor would mean allegiance to Caesar, which could be interpreted as violating the first two of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not have other gods beside me, and thou shalt not worship idols. Taxation has been a sensitive issue for the Americans since the independence war against British began with the taxation dispute. However, after the independence, we still have the obligation to pay taxes. Benjamin Franklin said there are only two things certain in life, taxes and death. It was an even more sensitive issue in the first century Israel and the Pharisees used it as an effective weapon to trap Jesus. The Bible says, But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Verse 18. The word hypocrite came from the Greek word hypocrites, meaning stage actor, pretender, or dissembler. In ancient Greek plays, a stage actor wore a mask to pretend to be someone else. The word hypocrite is used 18 times in the Bible, and this is not the first time Jesus called these religious leaders hypocrites. 
So Jesus saying that these Pharisees pretended to compliment him as a great teacher, but in fact, they wanted to trap him to kill him. They wore a smiling mask with a murderer's motive. Then Jesus said, show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, who said is this and whose title? They answered, the emperors, verses 19 to 21. Notice this conversation took place in the temple where Roman money was not allowed because Caesar's image or icon was on the coin. It violates the second commandment. It's a symbol of idolatry. It was also a symbol of Roman oppression. However, by showing Jesus the coin when they were inside the temple, Pharisees unconsciously exposed themselves as lawbreakers because they were not supposed to bring it inside the temple. Yet, they tried to trap Jesus with the law. Still, Jesus turned this into an opportunity to teach them and the audience. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are emperors, and to God the things that are gods. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Verses 21 and 22. Jesus' answer allows them to fulfill their civil law without violating the spiritual law. It means the government deserves our coins, but God deserves our hearts. This teaching is profound, and that's why the audience was amazed, including the Pharisees and Herodians. To say that Jesus was off the hook with a smart answer would be a too shallow interpretation. We belong to God because we carry God's image. Paying taxes to the government doesn't mean we worship the government. We can use Jesus' teaching to Peter about paying the temple tax in chapter 17 to interpret this passage at the deeper level Jesus intended. He said, However, so that we do not give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook. Take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a coin. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Verse 27. Here, Jesus paid the tax with a coin from the fish's mouth. The fish symbolized the fruit of your labor, and the coin in its mouth is the extra. That means your taxes are from the axis. It doesn't eat into your earnings. However, the key phrase here is, so that we do not give offense to them. In that context, Jesus does not think we are spiritually obligated to pay the tax, but resisting it is unnecessary because fulfilling God's purpose is our priority. Jesus' priority is to save humanity from sin. He didn't want to swear the small stuff by resisting to pay the tax, especially when he could afford it. He's also teaching you not to swear the small stuff. So give therefore to the emperor the things that are emperors and to God the things that are God's. It's a gracious thing to do. After all, we only give our things to the government, but we give our being to God. Johnson told another story about a monkey keeper who gave the monkeys three chestnuts in the morning and four in the evening. The monkeys protested, saying it was not fair. The keeper told them, okay, then I will give you four in the morning and three in the evening. The monkeys jumped up and down, happy with the new arrangement. 
The monkey keeper could have gotten stuck arguing with the monkey and fighting with them about their unreasonable discontent. But he didn't waste the energy. He patiently figured out what the monkeys were asking for and gave it to them to keep them happy. He fulfilled his mission riding the current without losing anything. It's a win-win solution. That's another allegory of doing nothing and getting everything done. Just as the swimmer in the previous story knows how to navigate the current, the monkey keeper knows how to navigate the monkey's nature. Navigating the current, Jesus turned every crisis into an opportunity. He turns the Pharisee's trap into a teaching event. He even turns the cruelest crucifixion into salvation. He turns the crown of thorns into the crown of the king of the kingdom of heaven. How did he do that? By navigating the current of God. He said, The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. John 14, 10-11 He says God in him revealed to him what to say or do. That means he does nothing, but God does the job through him. His works prove it. Can we do what he does? Yes, we can because he says next, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me would also do the works that I do, and in fact would do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. John 14, 12. Jesus does nothing and gets everything done by having God in him. You and I can too, if we have God in us. So let's try it out together. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound freedom, purpose, and happiness. Amen. Bye now.